Could you help me buy my first home? What, what can you give me for my kids, etc.? And of course, we want our listeners to take advantage of the things offered to us, but it makes me sad to think of the government um, putting one over on you where, where you think they're doing you a favor when actually making us more dependent on anything the government does actually cuts our nuts off as leaders. What's up, boss? This is Abraham's Wallet. We span the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. Dum 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 dum. Hello, Mark. Hi, Stephen. Have you missed me? I know it feels like I was thinking about this because as I was cleaning the bathroom, I, I heard my wife in the other room last night listening to you and Jeff talk about uh, the Biden administration and the cultural changes. And I well, thought she's, she's one of the few. I thought, you know, Jeff, uh, he's he's naturally funnier than me. That's for sure. He, he was also a little salty. We got a little... Uh... Kitty likes to scratch with old Jeff. Well, if that's salty, I'm sure it is salty for Jeff, but yeah, it is. he's such a nice guy that you wouldn't know it unless you knew him. I loved him talking about the charter schools and he was like, you know, that makes me so angry. It makes me angry. And I was like, you're the happiest angry guy I've ever heard. Uh, well, yeah. T- t- tell, tell folks what happened with that episode. I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean... If you're listening to this and you like it at all, we really need you to help us spread the word because we thought that episode talks about a hot button issue and, you know, anytime you say Biden or Trump or anything like that, you get eyes. I think that's what the news media has learned in the past four years is if we just talk about Trump, we get eyes. And so... I th- we, you and I thought, Stephen, let's put some advertising dollars behind this one. So I went to log into Facebook to do a little promotion. And I have to apologize to our six Facebook followers because there was messages going back to September that we hadn't responded to. This is heartbreaking. Well, we're not social media mavens, Stephen. That's not no. our domain. No, We've we're been not. known... We've been known to issue a salty tweet here and there, but you're not going to find me scrolling through Facebook or Instagram or any of that. I tried to do it. If you guys know great social media managers that work for cheap or free, send them our way. Um, But the point is, I said, I'm going to post this episode because I think it might be able to reach a new audience and then I'm going to promote it. I'm going to put some dollars behind it so new people see it. And Facebook said, great, they took the money and then they responded back to me in about 30 minutes saying, your ad has been denied because you are not authorized to discuss sensitive social issues. Um, Not authorized to discuss sensitive issues? Yeah, so they wanted me to- to talk about something that's sensitive? They wanted me to send them a copy of my passport and go through a bunch of steps to get verified and- 
frankly, the way that things are going with the old Facebook lately, I didn't want to send them my passport to say I'm gonna po- I'm gonna post something that you don't like. So, so anyways, the gist is, if you're hearing this, we need we need sharing organically because we can't do it with just the the dollars method. Um, so if you ever want to post one of our episodes to any of the social medias, we would we would say thank you for that. Or better yet, just just uh, send an episode to your ten closest friends. That that'd be even more effective, and it would bypass a third party. Yeah, I don't want to get too conspirac- conspiratorial here, but. I don't either. Normally, when I post something on Facebook... We don't have to gin that up because it's happening to us. Well, I'm just going to tell you, when I normally post something on Facebook for Abraham's Wallet, we get about 10 people that like it and things like that. There's a little bit of engagement. I think we got one on this one. So I don't think anybody saw it. I think Facebook said, this is dangerous material, these household builders. We want to suppress it. but that's just my conjecture. I don't know. Well, I'd like to say a couple things about that episode. One is I think it was helpful. <laughs> and I sent it to a couple of friends who I just said, I want you to listen in on this. I want you to see if it if it's as helpful as I think it is. And two, if you think it's objective. And I got really good feedback from them. So I, so I'm, I unapologetically recommend it to people, and not because uh, our insight is so uh, wonderfully unique. It's simply because I don't hear a lot of Christian outlets actually talking actually about things. We talk in generalities. We assume that people will figure find their own way, and you know we want to we want to give practical uh, help to 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 family leaders. So. That's why I. That's why I'm recommending it because I think it's. Well, I know for my friends, it's actually it's answering actual questions that they have. One more thing about that episode that frustrates me that I forgot, and I know that you don't, you didn't tune in so you could hear an episode about another episode. But if you listen to that, there is a Southern Baptist. That's my. That's my background. That's where it came from. Guy that leads um, um, a seminary. Um, his name's Albert Moeller, and he does an every day, he does a like a 20-minute podcast on here's what's happening in the world, in, in the United States right now, and here's what it means from a Christian worldview. 89% of the time, it's really good stuff. It's called The Briefing, and I'd like to recommend the Thursday, January 21st episode of The Briefing with Al, I think it says Al Moeller or my, maybe Albert Moeller. The briefing, January 21st. So Enough that's that. It. Yeah. Yeah. Before we jump in, this week we're going to talk, we're going to do a little continuation of last week, but you brought me in because... We're- I brought you in for two reasons. One, I think you can talk about the financial implications of the Biden administration, but secondly, because you're one of a handful of power lifters that I, I really trust. So how's, well, how's your back? That's a good question. I, I just want to humbly come before our audience and because they've heard me talk about deadlifts. They've heard me <laughs> aspiring to a three times body weight deadlift. <laughs> um, and I still aspire to that, but I got a little cocky and I, I threw my back out. 
which isn't oh, no. it had it has happened before it's not all bad steven i just was splashing around in the pool uh right before we started recording this so i've been doing i've been doing swimming Good. Uh, in my, in my of... world, that's a superior exercise than powerlifting. I know there are people who would, be dis- who would disagree, but I think that's a very good exercise. The, swim. the thing about swimming, because I did a lot of swimming when we were training for an Ironman a couple years ago, and I started out unable to swim two lengths of a 25-meter pool okay. without taking a break. I was just terrible. Okay. And so I like being really bad at things and getting better at them even yeah. if it, it's just it's something that a lot of people don't do when they become adults and i think you should you should find things that you suck at and learn how to do them even when you're in your 30s and 40s it makes me so hungry no matter if i swim for 20 <laughs> minutes and i know i burned 150 calories I just want to go eat Cafe Rio all day long oh, afterwards. That is so funny. Well, you don't have to swim to want to eat at Cafe Rio. I think we both know that. I rummaged through the uh, cabinet of like almost expired medicines that we had, and I found uh, injectable Toradol, which oh. is like a really super-powered version of, of ibuprofen. And I gave myself a shot of that, which... I was going to make a little video. This is funny because I just said I don't use social media, but I thought I should make a video that's like me giving myself a shot and saying like, hey, got my wife to steal me a vaccine and here it is. And she made it real clear to me that if I had done that, we would probably have to like sell the house because she'd get immediately fired, even if it was a joke. (laughs) Weren't you sent some CBD oil back in the day? Do you have any of that? I tried that. CBD oil gives like the the salve that you rub on the muscles. It uh-huh. gives me weird dreams, but it doesn't seem to help my back. Uh, okay. Well, that's kind of like saying I only use steroids for the side effects. You know, they're just. <laughs> I'm on the mend, I think. I was able to pain-free squat and deadlift a very light amount of weight today. Oh, and... The world exhales. Well, we're... We're uh, going to do our bookend today. On um, Last week, we talked about some of the sort of spiritual implications of what a family leader could do um, to try to anticipate the cultural changes that are happening and will be happening due to a new administration. As I said, we, we could do this every four years. There will always be cultural changes because of a new president in office. Um, and I thought it'd be a good idea to follow those, those spiritual, uh, issues with some financial, specifically financial issues, because this president's, um, financial policy is going to be such a sea change from the previous president's, um, policy that's going to affect everybody. Um, I know it's going to affect my home. And so we wanted to uh, probe your brain, Mark, for could you tell us some of what Biden's going to be doing, how we can respond, and what would be wisdom for us? Yeah, so I've got a lot here. We don't have to get through all of it. Some of it's important and some of it is just interesting. But the the headline issue that's going to be different with Biden you guys talked a lot about some of the things he wants to do 
uh, and I'd say all of those things that you mentioned require dollars. Yeah. And although both sides of the aisle, Republicans and Democrats have shown themselves entirely willing to spend more than they bring in. Yes. That is not a unique thing to either side. No. Um, Biden is not going to fund all these these ideas he's got completely, but he is going to try to fund some of them with tax increases. The headline is not scary. It's that there will be a 39.6% top tax rate, which is up from a 37% top tax rate. That to me, I feel like, okay, we're going to get somebody in who wants to raise taxes. 2.6% at the top seems reasonable. Uh, that doesn't seem crazy to me. The trick is that the the whole tax code changes. And Joe Biden has kind of said, hey, I, I really just want to tax the wealthy more um, and not the average American. So I went, there's a lot of organizations out there that look at tax plans uh, and kind of try to cut through the political BS and say, what will this actually do? And as, as much as I can tell, I went to neutral sources to just get analysis of how the plans will shake out. Let me be clear for almost everything we talk about today, unless there's been some executive orders signed that I'm not aware of. Um, most of these things are policy goals and plans that have been put forward. They're not in place today. So we're going to have to wait and see. Uh, how much of this comes to fruition, but but the Biden tax plan is highly progressive. So it increases tax for the kind of the top 1%. Even though I said the top rate changes by 2.6%, the top 1% of earners are going to pay 18% more in taxes. Most other groups are going to pay more by about 1%, um, depending on where you, you fall in, in the system. So a half a percent to 1%, which not a big deal if you're in the middle to pay 1% more because you're not honestly paying that much uh, in tax to right. begin with. 1% of a thousand bucks is no big whoop. 18% uh, is a really big deal. Uh, and as we will kind of unearth as we dig around in some of these changes, it might actually hit our people a lot harder than the average bear, because there's some, there's some things that if I was going to say, what, what kind of cuts would encourage the type of household that you and I hope guys are building, some of the, the tax changes have actually hit us in places where that's kind of hard. So yeah, I've been, I've been thinking about that very issue that, that the crowd that we hope to develop, and, and I, I mean, one, attracting these kind of people as our listeners and also taking our listeners from where they are and developing them. We want our community to be increasingly, to have an increasingly large territory that they're managing. So our aspiration would be that that 1% uh, would m more and more describe us. And and one, the top 1% has been routinely demonized as if they're all, as Jeff said last week, the, the monopoly man, the cruel, greedy monopoly man. But Abraham would unquestionably be in the top 1%. And we want to be in the top 1%, not because we're greedy, but because we want to be great stewards. We want to be like the guy in Jesus' story who reproduces 
all of the talents that he has and makes many more. So, yeah, that 18% uh, scares me for our crew, actually. Yeah, and, you know, even if you're not in a spot where you can even really imagine right now being in the top 1%, we've said it many times on this podcast, it does not take three full generations of faithfulness at, at very average levels of income to no. build a family that's in the top 1%. No. So you can get there a lot faster than you think. And whether or not it's you, it might be your children and it certainly could be your grandchildren. Yes. Now, what are those changes? How come if the, the tax rate at the top just goes up by 2%, how come some people are going to pay 18%? More? Yeah. How's that work? Well, one of them is there's an itemized deduction cap. Uh, so he wants to cap how much you can deduct from your taxes and itemized deduction. That's that, that is not completely clearly worked out yet. The details of it. Uh, one of the things is he wants to limit the tax benefit of itemized deductions to 28% for high income people. So if you're one of these uh, 37% or the new 39.6% tax bracket people, and you want to give $100,000 to charity, um, that's worth 39% of that would have gone to taxes if you hadn't given it to charity. Right. Joe Biden wants to say, we're going to limit you to 28%. So only 28,000 of that is going to gonna be saved for you by giving that to charity wow. um, you're still gonna have to pay taxes on the difference between that 28 percent and whatever your tax bracket uh is so that's a big hit it really does impact the ability of high earners to give um if there's a, a flat out limit on on itemized deductions that can hurt all sorts of other things from how you invest in your small business. If you're not a high earner, how much giving you can do. One, one bright spot on the itemized deduction front is that Biden wants to eliminate the $10,000 cap on itemized deductions for state and local taxes. So depending on where you live, $10,000 on state and local taxes, um, you might be hitting that really easily. So that could be good for, for some of our people. It could be good for people who are real estate investors and want to have several properties that now they might be able to deduct tax for more than just $10,000 of state and local taxes. It could be good for those listeners of ours who are struggling to still make a living in, in California where the state and local tax is extremely high or other places like that. So, let me it's just not all bad a little news. color to this tax deductions issue. You might not know this. The United States of America is far and away the most charitable and giving country that's ever existed on planet Earth. We're an extremely charitable people, even though, you know, if, if you give 1% of your money, number one, you, you've just set yourself apart in your church because most people give $0 to their church. But if you've, if you've given 1%, you've set yourself apart from most of planet Earth. M most people are not charitable at all, I think I could say, besides Christians. Uh, I'm just telling you what the statistics say. So in the United States, there's a history in our tax code where charity is built in because 
um, tax deductions are a way for the government to applaud the kind of financial behavior they want you to do. So they want home ownership because it's good for our economy. They want people to buy property. So there's tax deductions built into um, buying property because it's the government's way of applauding it. Please do this. We, we, we will try to help you. We'll try to applaud this. Um, charitable giving, historically, um, the government has applauded that as well. Uh, one of the reasons is because a reasonable government leader would think we have to take care of the poor and needy somehow. What I read when I hear hear about this kind of clamping down on on uh, tax deductions and, and charitable giving is we don't we want less of you people to do the charitable giving because and you can do this hand in hand with other other policies that that uh, Biden's going to put in place because we want to take care of these things we want to be the answer to all manner of problems. So you guys can 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 just halt, put the brakes on over there because we're gonna be expanding our programs to do these things. Whereas a conservative government would say, we want the government to do less and less. We want you people to do more and more out there, whether it's expanding businesses, privatization, or charitable giving. So that's, that's one thing that I hear when you talk about clamping down on deductions is, is it's actually, it's a philosophical decision which, which bums me out. I, I, I would always wish that we would have unlimited charitable deductions. Yep, and we sort of have. There has actually been a limit, but it's, uh, it's really, really high right. at the moment. Next, Biden wants to raise the capital gains tax for those who make more than a million dollars to be equal to the income tax rate. So the way this works is if you are somebody who makes their money uh, by stewarding assets, and you happened to sell something that you bought for cheaper, most likely it's going to be taxed if you held it for long enough at the capital gains rate, which is either 15 or 20%, depending on your income today. Now, if you're somebody who makes more than a million dollars, you're way up there in the 39.6 Biden tax bracket. And that's a huge difference. <laughs> if you, were, you bought assets and invested in things planning on a 20% tax rate, and now you're going to be hit at a almost 40% tax rate. And you guys might say, hey, this, uh, this doesn't really impact me. A million dollars is a silly ma imaginary number to me for income. You know, what, what do you so, think? I have GameStop stock or something? <laughs> so I just looked in at what was the average income in 1960? And it was in the United States, it was $5,600. And it's $51,000 today. Okay. Now, that's a long time uh, period that we're looking at. But it is worth remembering that once the government changes taxes uh, like this, they are often quite reluctant to reverse those mm -hmm. changes. And it, it has happened that that million dollars, if that gets set now, could still be a million dollars when when a million dollars is a lot closer to an income that we would consider maybe like a high but not absurd uh, amount of money yeah. um, when we're old guys or when our kids are, are in their earning prime. Yeah. So I don't like years, it. 50 years from now, 500 grand a year could be uh, an average salary. 
It could, especially if you, you head over to the Abraham's Wallet blog uh, and, and learn about inflation, which is something we you can read about it yeah. on the blog. What would you do if capital gains tax went through the roof? Well, I think Roth IRAs and Roth 401ks get really important here. I have not yet heard any rumblings of the Roth laws changing. Uh, that's where you put in money you've already paid taxes on. And when you're in retirement, you can take it out tax-free. My hunch as a financial advisor is that if you can no longer get that capital gains rate on things like real estate assets, we might be seeing a lot more people wanting to put property and real estate into IRAs. So we'll be kind of exploring that. And then tax loss harvesting when, and when asset- do you think somebody should be opening a Roth IRA for the first time? Uh, I think that if you're a business owner, the one of the best things you can do for your kids is open a Roth IRA when they're nine or six and find a way to pay them through your business and put money in then. So as soon as you can do it, do it. Because that's one of the things that I just look back and go, I didn't make all great financial decisions early in my life, but I started retirement accounts when I was 18 and that has paid dividends you might say uh, so okay, so, if, so if i'm 22 and um, i'm looking for a career job i haven't found career job yet so i'm working i'm picking up as many shifts as i can at starbucks until i find a career job you would say open up a roth ira right now and that would be my personal that's kind of my personal retirement account before i'm even i'm I'm at a company that's helping me with a retirement account. That's right. And for a lot of people, you keep doing it long after you're at a company that's got a 401k for you and things like that. So we, we've talked about compound interest in the past. And the earlier you start, the better. That money you save when you're 20 is so much more valuable than the money you save when you're 35. Okay. We could do a whole episode on that. But the last thing I wanted to say about capital gains is tax loss harvesting and asset location become really important. That's something that a lot of people have read enough about how to DIY their investments that they feel like they have a pretty good grip on, well, I know how to do my, my Vanguard portfolio. And there's a lot of good content out there. You can learn it. But when I say, okay, tell me what you're doing on a tax loss harvesting and asset location front, I usually get kind of glassy eyes. And what that is, is basically strategically selling losers and using those losses to offset gains that you can go ahead and take so that in a portfolio, when possible, you're getting rid of taxes uh, over time by selling losers and, and selling winners in kind of an even amount so that the net tax due is zero. An asset location means you just make sure you hold the right types of assets in the right accounts. So if you've got a taxable account, um, historically, we hold assets in that account that are going to grow because and that are not going to produce a lot of income as they go because we're going to get taxed at 15% on those, those capital gains in retirement. That changes a bit if we're going to get taxed exactly the same at capital gains rate someday as we would on our, our regular income. Complicated stuff to kind of dive into, but these are things to just have on your radar as you think about the, the changes. Anyways, move on from capital gains. Next big topic that 
Biden has some plans for are people who want to be real estate investors. And I'll just kind of tell you the two big things that jumped out to me as I was reading tax plans was he wants to remove 1031 exchanges. And what that is, is it says, if you invest in rent uh, investment property, you can trade it out for different investment property and push the taxes out into the future. You don't have to pay them right away. So all it has to be is a uh, investment property that produces income. So if I have a rental house and I want to trade it for a field where I grow hay, um, you can trade it. If I want to trade a cattle ranch for a strip mall, I can do that. And this can be a really valuable tool for people who build larger real estate yeah, portfolios. Yeah, it's huge. So yeah, when you when you sell a your first tiny sixty thousand dollar investment property, and you go to buy a four a four banger apartment building, and then you grow that that ten thirty one really matters. So I've never heard of that. I've, I've never heard of that the possibility of that going away. Have Democratic presidents done that in the past? Has it ever gone away before? Man, I don't know the answer to that. I don't think so, though. The Why thing that's that? actually likely to hit people even more than that, though, is he wants to eliminate the $25,000 exemption from passive loss rules for rental real estate losses. So right now, if you're a middle-income person, you can take $25,000 of loss in a rental property and apply that against your normal income. So a lot of our listeners have jobs, but they want to own a rental house or two. And they're depreciating that house. And they're also maybe they're slightly cash flow positive or slightly cash flow negative. But if they know what they're doing, they're probably showing a loss on that property. Right. Part of what makes it work every year is that they're allowed to take up to $25,000 a year of those losses and use them to offset income from their job that might be going away and that's a pretty big deal huh? the wow. only way really to get around it is to get a real estate professional designation and the spoiler is you can't do that if you're working full-time at png so kind of wow. a big deal if you if you want to be a real estate investor i don't know if you know this i have a political science degree that's what i that's what i did in okay. college all right this is me kind of thinking thinking like uh a politician, well, but it means, seems to me like there was right a lot. To share your opinion than most of us, so knock knock it out. The, there was a lot of campaigning on the idea that those who own assets and kind of do the thing that we often encourage guys to to aspire towards are somehow maybe evil overlords oh. of the rest of the working population, and you can see that in some of the stuff you guys talked about last week, the fact that if I'm uh, making $80,000 a year, but I've saved up and I've bought a rental property to supplement my income. Well, right now, if somebody stops paying rent, I can't evict them. Right. And that just completely ignores the plight of the poor guy who bought the house to try to supplement his average income. Yes. Um, Landlords are evil. This is seemingly one of the underlying beliefs. So these other two tax laws, they, they fall right in line with that. It's not surprising to me. Well, I'll tell you what we experienced as business owners during the Obama administration was the feeling, 
through policy that the, the government wanted to limit our ability to do well, that they wanted to squeeze us and, and keep us from blooming business-wise. And so it was, it was massively refreshing when the feeling, again, I'm just talking about policies, with the last Republican administration was, the feeling was, go do well, Americans, go do well. Go, because we know that when Americans do well, as I was just saying, they give. And when Americans do well in a capitalistic system, that means that we're creating a service that enriches other people's lives. And the more that we get this cross-pollinization, everything goes crazy, everything blooms, everything goes well. And it feels again like, well, I've been, I mean, in this article that you just wrote about um, inflation, you hype real estate as, as something that is inflation, more inflation proof um, than other places you, you can stick your money. So it's, you know, well, it gets my mind thinking, boy, maybe I could man, I get into that world a little bit. Man, that'd be good for my grandkids for me to do that. And they're just like, yeah, and we want to slap you around if you try to do that, by the way. It's just, it's just a bummer. Yeah, it's all built to create a system where people pretty much think the only option for them is to go find a salaried nine to five job and kind of put their shoulder to the plow that way, which there's nothing wrong with that. We, we've told a lot of guys that's exactly what you should do, Yeah, but, but we don't like it when that's kind of used to, in, in a way, control people. I've been pretty I've been pretty subdued through this first half, wouldn't you, you say? Oh, very calm. And I always feel subdued after I swim. I feel that my whole body is has been calmed. Maybe yeah, that's well, happening with you. I'm about to I'm about to get a little hot under the collar here. Okay. Because we're gonna talk about something that is one of my passions in life. Which, All right. And when I say passions, I mean I hate it with all of my being that any government would say that because you have worked for your whole life, stewarded resources, built up wealth, and then died, we would like to have most of those resources now because you died. That seems evil. Um, I think that the estate tax is wickedness. And it's right now the, the estate tax exemption, which means the limit uh, of money which you can either pass on when you die or give away while you're alive. It's as high as it's been. Uh, there was one year, I think it was 2010, uh, you'd have to fact check me, but where it, w- it was a total holiday. So if you were, you know, child of a billionaire, you really want that billionaire to kick it in 2010. Uh-huh. But, but, but for, for the most for inflation's part, inflation's sake, that number should always go up and up and up. But it hasn't. Well, I'm just saying it should. Right now, the limit is just over $23 million. Okay. So if you are under that as a married couple, you don't have to pay a state tax. That is set to expire in 2025 and go back to the previous level of $5 million per person, $10 million for a couple. Job Iden wants to return it to... $3.5 $3.5 million oh, per person Lord. and a $1 million gift maximum. Wow. Um, so 
That means over your whole lifetime, any gift above the annual exemption of $15,000 gets counted towards your $1 million. Wow. Let's say you have five kids and you wanted, you were doing well and you wanted to buy them all a house. You could tap that out real quick. And he also wants to raise the estate tax amount from 40% to 45%. Holy moly. So this to me, uh, oh, and the last big change to the estate tax is he wants to remove a step up in basis for inherited assets. So not only do the, does the government want to take 45%, let's say you inherit stock um, that your grandma bought P&G stock for $5 when she was a little girl and she dies and leaves it to you. Well, the government, if she was mega rich right now, would take 40%. But then whatever's left, you would inherit and your new basis, meaning the cost over which you will be taxed when you sell it, um, it steps up to the current value. So if wow. you sold it all today under the current law, you wouldn't owe any taxes on that. Right. The Biden plan would be to remove that. So your cost basis is, even though we've gone through this estate tax change, your cost basis is $5 now. And if P&G stocks 100, done, 100 and something bucks a share, you're going to owe almost all of that uh, is going to be taxed potentially at the new capital gains rate, uh, which is very high. So for the wealthy families trying to transfer money multi-generationally, this is a humongous problem. The good news is it seems that the estate lawyers, the good ones, are always about six steps ahead of the government on this. And there's a fair chance that those families in the $23 million plus range in terms of net worth have been thinking about this for a long time and are prepared. And there are things that we can do to really reduce estate tax exposure, even if it were to drop as low as $7 million for a couple. Um, but Such notionally, it just pisses me off because yeah, I, think, I think multi-generational wealth is kind of one of the most stabilizing pieces of strong families. And I don't think it should be illegal. Can we, can we calm ourselves at least with the idea that in the future, eventually, there is going to be a more conservative president that will pop those numbers back up. I hope it's true. the The big thing that makes me worried about that is is that it's been a long time since we've had a dis fiscally disciplined administration, and that doesn't seem to matter if you're conservative or liberal. Yeah. You guys, last week, you said America would get an earful if they called into Dave Ramsey. Well. It wouldn't just be Joe Biden and Barack Obama. It would be yeah. all of them. Yeah, that's and right. They're all spending more than they make. And there's going to be a point where even somebody who's notionally opposed to this stuff would have to throw up their hands and go, we just can't afford to change it back. I see. Wow, that's terrible. What, is there, can you give us an example of the kind of thing that one could do to, to put money in a shelter that can't be touched? Sure. The reason they dropped that gift tax limit so far below the estate tax limit is because that used to be the same number. You can either give it away during your life or you can transfer it when you're dead. And what we would do is look for ways to transfer out assets that we knew were going to go way up in value before they went up in value. So let's say you have a business and you have reason to believe that business is just starting out. It's worth $100,000 today, but you know, if you hit a home run, it could be worth $20 million before you die. 
you might want to transfer that at the time where it becomes clear that it's headed on in the upward direction to an irrevocable trust for someone else's benefit. And then the gift amount would be whatever the value it is when it's transferred um, and all the appreciation that happens between now and uh, then and when you die is not included in your estate. Obviously, there's a lot of really complicated things that go into that because sure. you lose control of the asset in some sense. But we use a lot of different types of trust to, to manage estate tax. Uh, we do really thoughtful gifting programs. And this is where if you've got an awesome relationship between the generations, there can be cooperation here. If you have a bad relationship between generations, people generally say, I'm not giving any of my money until I die. What if I needed it back? This is definitely a place where it's so much better and easier when you have multi-generational families that are all on mission in the same direction. Yeah. And they're thinking, well, this is what our money's for. We're, we're parrots and these are the things that we're about and the things that we do. And each generation is going to tweak and craft that goal. But we know as a whole crew, this is what we're about. You know, you can use family limited partnerships and you can use a uh, family trust to kind of pool those monies and, and even create a charitable trust that, that can live on longer and not be taxed in the same way as individuals. Fun okay. stuff. Good example. Let's do some rapid fire ones. Okay. The first rapid fire one's going to be, you might want to talk about this, but student loan forbearance and forgiveness. Just for our people that have student loans, I don't want this to all be us complaining about how the rich are getting hosed. Uh, a lot of our listeners have student loans. If you have federal student loans, we have talked in the past about refinancing those to get better rates and you can get some great rates right now. Don't refinance your student loans. <laughs> There's a fair chance that they're just going to get wiped out. Yeah. I, I don't really think that's going to happen, but even if it doesn't, and you want to be making payments right now, make payments. Uh, you're not getting charged any interest right now. So that just got extended recently. And, and every dollar you put towards your student loans goes 100% to the principal balance. So this is a good time to not refinance and make payments on your loans. Just sit tight. Here's some good news for some of our listeners. Temporary increase of the child tax credit to $3,000 per child for children ages 6 to 17 and $3,600 for children under six, and it will be fully refundable. So if you have taken the advice of Abraham's wallet and filled your quiver with children, you can get more money for them now. Uh, nice. On the open market, I don't know if you can get more money <laughs> like if yeah. you're selling them, but, yeah, yeah. but they're worth more, so theoretically they would command a higher price yeah. at auction. <laughs> so... You're gonna get more. You're gonna get more tax credit annually for them, and so that you can save up your money and then give it to the government later because you're not gonna let your estate go through without tax. Yeah, 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 yeah. Another one that might help some of our people is expanding the child care tax credit to fifty percent of a family's child care costs for children under age thirteen. So that's up to four thousand dollars for one child. $8,000 for two or more children, and then making it fully refundable. The negative here, if you're making a little bit more income, is that it phases out starting at $125,000 a year of income, and it's 
fully phased out at $400,000 a year of income. So you'll still get some of that credit if you're between those 125 and 400K a year, but it, it will get less and less as you go up that ladder. Here's one that also bakes my beans. Uh, enhancing tax breaks and access to 401k plans for workers who are saving for retirement. Doesn't that sound great? It does. Is there another shoe that's about to drop? Here's how they're going to do it. They're going to, quote, equalize the tax benefits of 401k plans. So right now, if you make a million dollars a year, we talked about this with the the deductions, and you put $19,000 a year into your 401k, you're getting a 37% benefit for that money because you would have been taxed 37% at that money and you're not getting taxed on it. If you make $50,000 a year and you put 19,500 away, you're in a very low tax bracket. So it's worth less to you, the tax credit you get for, or the tax deduction you get for putting that money in. So instead of all of that, Biden has proposed, let's give everyone a 28% tax credit for putting money into a 401k plan. Now, a lot of our listeners are in the 22 or 24% tax bracket. So 28% is a little bump uh, for them. And that's good. Um, the, the problem here is that it's kind of put forth as a policy that is really going to help the working man. But I'm telling you, the working man's not putting the maximum into their no, 401k. No, he's not worried about his 401k. So this is really just a sneaky way to stick it to the folks who can afford to max out their 401k contributions and then claim, hey, look at us doing good things for the, the working man. Right. That, that also sucks. That's kind of a theme in, in a lot of <laughs> it these. Is. It is. Um, here's one that you might not like, but I don't think it's all bad. You may have heard of the Affordable Care Act. I've heard of it. Is it is it pretty affordable? Uh, we could argue about all that, but the the <laughs> the point is I work with a lot of clients who want to start businesses or who own their own business and for a lot of them this is the only way that they are able to get healthcare for their family. Um and as part of Biden's plan, he wants to eliminate the income-based cap on the tax credit so that all families who purchase insurance through a health exchange can get the credit. Um, that would be cool for people who maybe make a little more money and would like to buy an affordable care plan. Uh, he also wants to increase the credit amount by basing it on the cost of a gold level health plan rather than the less expensive silver level health plan. So you can actually get a credit that will help you buy a decent plan. And he wants to ensure that people buying health insurance through the exchange don't pay more than 8.5% of their income for coverage. So that's a really good one if you're starting a business and you're going to um, go out on your own and you need to get health care. Frankly, I know, I know that I'm going to offend the conservatives out there, but I think for our listeners who are really, a lot of them aspiring to be business owners, this could be a great thing for them even though maybe their great-grandchildren will suffer the consequences of us uh, well, go- governmentalizing healthcare. It's kind of like student loan forgiveness. I mean, we can, we can philosophize all day about why it's a bad idea, but if we're giving somebody advice who has student loans, we'll say, we'll just deal with the world that you're in right now. They're, they might forgive some of them, so hang tight. This is a similar situation. 
nobody's asking us if the if we think that the government's smart to do this. We're just trying to tell people what do you do with what's the government doing. So so this might be a good thing for them. It might it might be I know ease ease the pain in the in the short term. Another one that comes up all the time for me in my work with clients is people ask about, do you really think Social Security is going to be around for long? Do you really um, think Social Security is going to be around that long? Yes, for you, because you're old. Um, eh. It's coming in like a year. But because very few 28-year-olds ask me that question, it's usually people who are getting close to needing to take right. their Social Security. Am I going um, to get Social Security? However, Biden wants to shore up the Social Security coffers, and I think that's a, a noble idea. Um, I've put a lot of money into Social Security, so have you. I, I would like to get something out of it. The way my he's going to do that... Told me, when I was in my 20s, my parents always told me, There'll be nothing left in Social Security. Just know that you won't be getting anything from Social Security. So if Biden can change that, hooray. Here's how he's going to do it. Wages currently above $142,800 are not subject to payroll tax. So you don't get Social Security tax for anything you make above that amount. Uh, Biden wants to make wages above $400,000 subject to the tax. So if you make between one forty-two. dollars 800 and 400 that is still going to be not taxed that window but if you make over 400 everything over 400 suddenly gets taxed now interesting uh, so i i don't know what to think about that yeah this one's interesting to our multi-generational families who are listening uh, Biden's going to push for a new $5,000 tax credit for informal caregivers. So that would be family members providing uh, for other family members or loved ones. Um, and then caregivers, this one's interesting, might also be allowed to make catch-up contributions to retirement accounts. So if you're taking care of your elderly parent, they might let you put additional money into your retirement account than you otherwise would be able to. Huh. Interesting. It's kind of interesting. Uh, I hope to have some old person from my family living in my house at some point. And here, here. At the very least, I hope my kids get to take advantage of this credit when they're taking care of me and my That's lazy exactly boy. Right. That's exactly right. <laughs> okay, so some less common ones. He wants to restore the a full electric vehicle tax credit. Um, and push for tax breaks for energy efficiency in the home. So if you're thinking about buying solar panels or something like that, don't do it quite yet. Just wait and see. Don't buy your Tesla today. He wants to expand access to affordable housing by creating a new refundable tax credit of $15,000 for first-time home buyers. I don't know where our listeners are, but if you're anywhere like Utah, the housing market's bananas gorilla right now, and you may be getting frustrated out there because there's every house that comes up for sale. All the houses that come up for sale have 10 offers on them on the first day. It's just very low inventory. Uh, some of that's due to low interest rates. Uh, this will make that even more competitive at the at the low end, but it could be a good time if you're thinking about selling your starter home and upgrading or something like that. You might get a higher price for it if everybody's got an extra 15 grand in their pocket. Um, unlike the the old first time home buyer credit, this one would actually be payable to you right away instead of waiting until the next year's tax filing. I mean, what does your sigh mean? I mean, this is just this is just classic inflation here, where 
The government gets to feel good about writing an imaginary check to everybody that wants to buy a house. And everybody to get, puts a big smile on their face to go, oh, we get $15,000 of extra money. But guess what? Everybody that wants to buy a first home has $15,000 extra dollars. So you know what that effectively means if you're selling a first time home? The price just went up on your new home by $15,000 because all of your first time home buyers have that much more money. And so they're going to drive the prices up by that much more. That's called inflation. And you know who, who pays for inflation? Not the government because the government doesn't have any money. We pay for inflation because it goes into the cost of goods in general. And, and it's just infuriating when, when, they, when they write imaginary checks. And if you were the only one that got the $15,000, it would be a real boon. But the government could say everyone in the United States, everyone has, at this point, everyone has a million more dollars. Bam. And we would all be all smiles. And in very short amount of time, the market would catch right up to us and we wouldn't be any more well off because everyone has the same million dollars. That's what inflation does. And it, it, it's frustrating that such a simple game could be thrown down on people and everyone's smiling, receiving bread and circus from the powers that be when what we want, and I'll get back to our, our core deal, what we want is we want for Christian fathers to create multi-generational assets of their own and, and basically say, I know this sounds Republican, forgive me, basically say, you government people, leave me alone. I'm just going to do this thing over here and I'm going to build a family that is so robust that we will care for our church family. We will give generously to the things that we feel called to and all the other things that we talk about in, in, our, giving, in our giving series, the, the giving manifesto. That's what we want. And it makes me sad to think of any of our young fathers or family builders who turn their hearts toward a government policy going, could you guys help me out here? Could I wonder if you could help me start my business? Could you help me buy my first home? What, what can you give me for my kids, etc.? And of course, we want our listeners to take advantage of the things offered to us, but it makes me sad to think of the government putting one over on you where, where you think they're doing you a favor when actually making us more dependent on anything the government does actually cuts our nuts off as leaders and and we we want to be we, we want to stand alone before God and we we want to participate in our government we want to, we want to be civic leaders not somebody that's looking for forgive I forgive this tired phrase looking for handouts um from the government so anyways I'm just emoting no I I agree with all that um we're getting to the end of this list but Here's a big one. Corporate taxes will increase if the president gets his way. So um, one of the, the Biden tax proposals is to raise the corporate income tax rate from 21% to 28%. Wow. Now, the 2017 tax reform law dropped the rate from 35% to 21%. So it's not the end of the world no. if these changes happen. So I want to make sure that we're not saying, uh, this is unprecedented 
uh, increase, but that is a big change. And if you think that the, the equity analysts who are building models to value companies uh, and they have predicted out into the future what cash flows will look like for those companies, and that is the kind of the output of that model is the stock price. If you think those won't change uh, when suddenly we're going to collect an additional 7% of all earnings in taxes, you, you're crazy. <laughs> he uh, must be crazy. He also supports a 15% minimum tax on large corporations. This is one of those. We can't have any more scenarios where Exxon makes more money than anyone on earth and pays like, you know, the same income tax as me. (laughs) So, so that's that the, there's one that's really, I, I don't know that it really impacts very many of our people, but I have, and you, you also have close friends who run restaurants for a living. Yes. Uh, You guys talked about it briefly in the last episode, but there's a a minimum wage increase proposition with no tipped employee exemption to that minimum wage. So if, and I was talking to a couple of my restaurant owner buddies recently, and they said, if this fifth, if I have to pay $15 an hour to my employees uh, who get tipped and, and, most of whom make more than that right now because of their tips. Um, I have to close my businesses. Yes. One of these guys employs over 150 people and said they will all be without jobs. Yeah. <laughs> so they're all, they're all doing well right now. This is a person who went deep into his personal pockets to continue paying everybody during the pandemic. To me, that is, I don't know, maybe this is done under the auspices of we've got to help food and beverage people uh, who have been really hurt by the, the pandemic. But I think, again, it looks at the, the employee and thinks we'll do something good for them, but totally misses the fact that the owner is the one who needs to do something good for the employee by that, that, creating a successful business. Yes, this is part and parcel with being capitalist is that you understand that the one who can make life sweet for his busboys is the owner of the business. And do you know why owners of businesses make life sweet for their workers? When they're killing it, when they're doing very, very well, they want to hold on to everybody because they've received their training and they're already in the system. They understand the corporate culture, et cetera, et cetera. But these, these short-term thinking, it's as if you took me, me when I was 19 years old working at Champ Sports and made me the president of the United States and say, what would I do? I'll tell you what I'd do. I'd make it so I'm not making $7 an hour. I'd make $15 an hour. Okay, great. But when you're at McDonald's, I like to go to McDonald's for breakfast. I get a nice coffee, a vanilla iced coffee. And I get one or two of those lovely, classic, don't ever change them, egg McMuffins. They're wonderful and they're never going to change. Anyhow, when you go to McDonald's and you see there's six people behind the counter and one of them might be not doing something too efficient, but they're all, they've all got a job to do. And one guy's just putting lids on cups. That's all he's doing. And you think, wow, that's a lot of, there's a lot of people on the old payroll there. Whatever. Well, my food's ready. See you later. 
Those days are gonna go away if a $15 an hour minimum wage happens because McDonald's won't be able to afford having six people back there. There's gonna be two people back there and you're going to wait in line. And what we enjoy about the free market system, which determines what are, the free market system determines what labor is worth, um, when that thing is put on them from the top, which is a totalitarian move, by the way, to say this is what wages will be. When that happens, I'm telling you, we're going to feel it. And I, and I really feel bad for many of the restaurant and bar owners who are holding their breath, waiting for this quasi-quarantine to stop. They're, they're literally going to go out of business and they'll have to go work for one of these mega mega corporations. And it's just going to kill so many businesses. Sad. 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 Yeah. Sad exclamation point. I know. That's just a little, <laughs> a little nod to the, the, to past. the old guy. Yeah. I, I, I just, I guess I would just kind of close with one more thought. We didn't talk about stimulus checks, but stimulus checks, there you go. There, when the, the runoff election to see who would control the Senate was happening in Georgia, Biden came out and said, if these two get elected, $2,000 stimulus checks will be out, out the door in a week. This is the kid who stands up in front of the high school and says, if you elect me student body president, yes. we're going to put a Chick-fil-A in the cafeteria. Yes. We'll see if that happens. We've talked about the long-term impacts of stimulus checks, and uh, you can read about how that impacts inflation over at abrahamswallet.com, the blog. But just to kind of close down, I think it's not just about taxes or regulations. I think the, the ability of your business, if you're a business owner or if you aspire to be a business owner or if you would like... For your wife to be able to start a side hustle while you're at work or any of these things, the ability of your business to operate may be impacted by culture shifts. So I, I was thinking about it just as we had trouble posting Abraham's wallet on Facebook. If you're a social media manager, that landscape is changing fast. And so if you're listening to this and you're 20 and you're in college, I would think about what are the jobs that are pretty culture proof yeah. um, out there. You know, we've talked a lot about the benefits of getting a job right out of college because you need to learn some things. Yes. Some people can go start a business right away, either out of high school or out of college, and that can work. And it's great if that's you. Uh, but a lot of us need to learn from others by being an employee for a while. And I would just think, what are the jobs that, that seem to be insulated from some of these changing cultural tides because a lot of the stuff we talked about yeah it's tax code changes but it's really rooted in a pretty deep sea tide change of of how we view asset owners and how we view the boss or the wealthy and things like that that's always been a back and forth in america going back pre pre great depression it seems like we're kind of swinging one direction right now yeah. but i could be wrong we could we could have a new president in four years that goes exactly the opposite direction. Yeah, that's right. Well, what I hear from you with all of these policy changes and the and the ways that we can respond fiscally can sort of be simmered down into the topic of inflation, which coincidentally you just wrote about. And is is up, there a blog about that? On <laughs> it's, it's Abrahamswallet.com? Right, it's on Abrahamswallet.com right now. 
And so I think if you kind of want to go, well, uh, how do I, uh, how do I Biden proof my finances? Um, I think understanding inflation would be a really good idea. Don't get me wrong. While they're handing out free money, take it because um, it, it, it won't actually put you ahead of the curve. It'll just keep you in line with what, what, what's going on. What would you say, Stephen, to our listener who says, hey, I am jiving with you guys on multi-generational household building and... Uh, like, what are you from 1974 when you say jiving? There's no jiving. Well, they, they're they a part of the uh, restoration movement for jive culture. Oh, that's great. That oh, that's but, great. And they wear a Soviet era hat and a, and a corn cob pipe. However they phrase it, they're thinking, okay, I I, I love what you guys are putting out, but on the politics or the the how to run an economy front i just have totally different views um without getting into the specifics of how we would have a conversation around economics or even politics yeah i just would want to say to that person we can actually have different opinions on the best way to run economies and we still uh, i know that steven and i we used to be very, very far apart on a lot of this stuff, uh, and we've kind of drifted together. So it you might sound you, you came around. <laughs> it might sound like we're we're a club for persons who think a very singular way about politics and economics. And so I just want to clarify that at the end. I might should have done that at the beginning. That if you disagree well, with us, then we still would love to have your voice here, and you're welcome here. You don't have to agree with us. If you're trying to follow Judeo-Christian principles and running your home and you're trying to follow the Bible, you're on our team. And we don't have to agree about every single thing. We just, we're just trying to build biblical families. And to us, that means multi-generational family. And we want to be financially responsible. We want to take care of our, our homes and, and steward every asset that God has entrusted to our care, which includes our ability to make money. That's one of our assets. Anyways, give us a little grace as we talk. We're just guys and we have opinions and you don't have to agree with our opinions and uh, we're going to love you anyways. So that, that's what we got this week, Stephen. We've confronted the the big changes that jumped off the page to me about how Biden wants to do things a little differently in insofar as it would affect the financial situation of our Abrahamic householders out there. Well, I think you did a real fine job. I appreciate the uh, overview. I appreciate your research and uh, hope your back keeps improving as you swim your way to fitness. Yeah, I mean... Maybe by next week I can develop some of the speed that I used to have in the olden days. These days I'm more like the manatee in the pool. You know, I feel a kinship with the manatee who kind of floats. Yeah, the deadlifting body, it was not made for swimming. It kind of rides in the water like a wake surfing boat. The head is over everything else. You have dropped the back of the boat to create the largest possible wake. Well... I also have a, a large amount of ballast in the rear quarters. And your workouts are measured by time spent, not necessarily distance. That's right. Yeah, I understand. I, I guess we'll be back here next week, huh? Yeah, let's plan on it. Okay. Well, for Abraham's Wallet, I'm Mark Barrett. I'm Stephen Manuel. Thanks, guys. <laughs>